Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. So before the episode begins, I would just like to say a huge thank you to CastBox for helping me make the CastBox original Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and you can find all of your favorite podcasts there. Personally, I think CastBox is the best podcasting platform out there, and I hope you guys check it out because I think you'll be surprised at just how much variety they have and how user-friendly their app is. Anyway guys, thanks for listening, and without further ado, let's begin. The Showers Part 3 by Clover10176 My name is Jack, and some of you may have read or heard a story about me, by me, a few years back. I'm writing this from the same shitty laptop that I used to drunkily post the showers on Reddit a little over five years ago. It spent the better part of two years at the bottom of a box in my bedroom closet. I haven't had much use for it recently, and... Mid honestly, isn't in the best shape. I mean, the damn thing takes about 20 minutes to start up properly and dies the instant it unplugs from its charger. Some of the keys are missing, some of the stick. I've spent a good amount of time clumsily cleaning soft drinks cut with whiskey out of every nook and cranny. But a thing can only take so much abuse before it just goes, I guess. But tonight, I got lucky. She managed to boot just for me and I think that she may have one more decent story left in her for better or worse I don't really remember writing or posting either part of the showers I do however remember feeling simultaneously listless and restless around that time period I was tremendously unproductive not working in my chosen field and had too much free time to spend thinking about these facts I had told the story to some friends at the bar one night and shaken some memories loose which led to that post. I woke up one evening and 
hopped on my laptop to find that the story thread was left open. I had typed it directly into submission box, not leaving myself anything to edit. I just forced it off of me over a couple of long, drunken nights and threw it up on the internet for everyone to see. I tried to read it, but even outside of the memories that I would have rather avoided, each spelling and grammatical error made me want to shoot whiskey or chug bleach. I went with the former, and as far as I can remember, I've never made it through the whole story as it was written. It seems pointless to go back and read it even now. I've lived through this all enough times in my head. I don't need to do that to myself again. I did read the comments, though. I may have hated myself, but seeing a bit of interest in my work gave my ego a boost, if only for a moment. I went back every now and then to check on them, but for the most part, I was forced to continue with my stagnant life while the story spread quietly around the web. I worked as a bartender at the time and split my free hours between sleeping and drinking. These occasionally overlapped or synced up with work. It was a a vicious little loop that I had carved for myself. I wasn't a writer like I'd hoped to be at that point in my life, so... Getting to play one on the internet for a few minutes every now and then helped me to break up the monotony of reality. Over the course of the next several months, I received several emails and friend requests from old classmates or strangers who had taken an interest in my story. My former classmates' messages generally consisted of their memories of Mr. Mays and his story, asking nothing in return. I had guessed that most of them were either married or lost and needed a dose of nostalgia as a pick-me-up. And I mean, who could blame them? Though, some of them actually wanted to meet up, grab drinks and really get into the past. I lived half a continent away from the town where I attended Mr. May's class at this point, but that didn't stop me from making empty offers of company to several different people, if our paths were to ever cross that is. I did end up grabbing a beer with one guy who was just passing through on some summer night in Denver, but... It wasn't what I was expecting. I'm 99% sure that he had never met Mr. Mays or myself. He dodged specifics when I asked him questions and repeated a lot of my own statements back to me in agreement. I remember him nodding his head a lot and saying, yeah, that's right, over and over again. But he was picking up the tab, so I didn't notice a lot of this until the next afternoon. And that was also the last time that I met up with anyone from the internet. I also got a surprising number of requests for the specific coordinates of the showers from a wide variety of personalities. There were people even offering money, transport, and even what was essentially militia support if I would take them there, like it was some sort of guided tour or something. I turned them down, but would be lying if I said that I didn't consider accepting some cash in exchange for the coordinates of any random barn that I could pull up on Google Maps. But I didn't, though. As foreign and surreal as the whole thing was, I did take pretty immediate notice of the power it gave me over people. It felt like I was back around a campfire with a group of friends, hanging on my every word, but with a much larger audience. It all started innocently enough too. I would be out with a friend, looking for some decent conversation or a better lay. My friend would bring up the showers and ask me to tell the story. Then I would fight him on it for a bit, before caving, 
ordering another round and launching into some variation of the bit. And it really did work like a charm. It seemed like every time I went out, I ended up with a new friend or another notch on my belt. I hardly had to try even. I was just drunkily wandering down memory lane. After a while, I had narrowed my sights, only binging out the story for certain people for very specific ends. I used it to get laid. It's as simple as that. I would talk to a girl for a little while and get to know her just enough, take a guess at some of her fears and work them into the climax of the story. I have faced down ghosts, encountered demons and even had spiders rain down on me from the shower heads. But I made it out intact every time, if only ever so slightly worse for wear. I was just damaged enough from the experience that a pretty girl might feel some sympathy for me, which I would thank her for while reaching out for her hands or grabbing her leg. All roads led to the same place. Hers. I would stumble back to my barren apartment every afternoon, throw on some different clothes and head back out to the bar. Whether it was for work or play, that didn't really matter. Like I said, all roads. I, uh, I don't know how long I spent in this piece of shit phase, but... I do know that Karen broke me out of it. Initially, she was just the next in a long line of women that I had yet to woo. We met at a bar where I told her a story which led to her place. But instead of passing out after sex, we stayed up and talked. It didn't feel like needless bullshit either. I felt like she understood me and my her. In reality... I think we just both liked getting really messed up and swapping stories about our shitty childhoods and mental ailments with someone else so that we wouldn't have to make excuses for being alone. We actually did have the mental stuff in common, though. Two different kinds of bipolar disorder. We thought that in some strange way it meant that we were perfect for each other. I don't need to be told how stupid that sounds, I know. Karen also had a degree in political science from Rutgers, a wicked right hook, and one of the most persuasive and charismatic personalities that I had ever encountered. I worry that that sort of thing isn't going to come across here because of what this is all ultimately leading to. I don't want to do her a disservice. I mean, we didn't end up together for a year and a half because we were awful for each other. At that point in my life... I was both lost and an asshole. I had turned her into a concept or an archetype in my head. She was the Nancy to my Sid, the Bonnie to my Clyde, and we were probably headed down the same path as both couples. I guess, looking back, that I had fit her into that awful manic pixie dream girl trope in my head. I was a lost guy looking for a girl with hair the color of a mood ring to solve the complex problem that was me. On any given day, she was the love of my life and my partner in crime. The next day, she was my antagonist, an obstacle to overcome. It was all part of this story that I had seen play out in movies and books so many times before. But in the end, it was me trying to fit a square peg into a non-existent hole. She made me feel good about myself, though. 
I'm pretty sure that I even loved her. It's just that I was simultaneously loving and using her without really realizing what I was doing. This isn't to say that she didn't get any use out of me, though. She started coming over to my place after we had spent a couple of nights together and never really left. Items of her clothing and her toiletries started showing up around the apartment and I just kind of went with it. There was one night where I had brought up how we had never actually talked about living together before it had already happened. That night somehow ended with both of us blacking out in tears. But by the time that happy hour had rolled around the next evening, we were as good as new. It wasn't an issue at the time, we just sort of fell in together. I know that this probably sounds unhealthy, and to be honest, I guess it was. Anyway, I've gotten off track. Karen took an interest in my stories. The showers, particularly, interested her because she had come across a reading of it on a podcast or YouTube channel and knew about it before she'd even met me. She thought that I was messing with her at the bar, trying to take credit for a story someone else had lived. But I was able to convince her and she didn't let go after that. After long nights, we would lay in bed together and she would ask me to tell her the story again like some sort of morbid bedtime story. Each time I told it to her, I would embellish a little more or shake loose a new memory pulled from deep within my imagination. I don't know if she actually believed it or if she just wanted to, but it became our thing. But of course, the story eventually wasn't enough. She wanted to live it. Hey Jack, can can we go there? Let's go to the showers. She wanted us to go together and face them down like some sort of boss fight. She constantly told me that it would be good for me to go back there and get perspective. She was convinced that it would help me pick up writing again. Karen always told me that I had such good ideas but that something held me back from letting them loose. She genuinely wanted to help me but I couldn't see how this would do any of that. And now it seems even more obvious. I think another aspect of her interest in the showers was just honest fixation. We both had a tendency to key in on a particular subject and dig deep into it until there was nothing of interest left to cover. This meant that her attention generally burned intensely before quickly fizzling out. My refusal to indulge her one last wish and take her there kept her going, I think. She would strategically pick the moments where I was just drunk enough to loosen my lips, but not so drunk that I was off in my own world to ask about the place. Occasionally, she would bring up a piece of information that I had told her about the showers while blacked out that would resonate with me enough to put my arm hair on edge. Even if I couldn't conjure the memory while sober, my body recognized it. I knew that she was getting closer to something in me that I didn't want to address, but I never stopped her outright. To be honest though, I don't know if I even believed my own story anymore. I just felt a, a bit sick when I thought about it. But she persisted, using every method in the book to try and convince me to take her there. 
Every new detail, real or otherwise, would motivate her to push me harder on the subject. It was the middle of winter when I finally caved. We were living in Fort Collins, Colorado at this time, which was only a short drive from Broken Bow, Nebraska. I had still maintained my ground when it came to making a trip there, claiming that I didn't remember that we didn't have the time and that I had forgotten exactly how to get to the farmhouse, which were both partially true, if I'm being honest. But, like I said, she knew when she could get me best. We were sat on the couch following a long night of bar hopping and friend drama. Luckily, we had found ourselves on the same side of this particular situation, which meant that the night was going to close quietly. We were snuggled together under a blanket and watching some movie. Well, Karen was watching while I split my time between nodding off and attempting to read screenplays that a friend of mine had sent to me. I had seen the film a dozen and a half times at this point. In it, a struggling folk singer loses his way after his partner commits suicide. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> Karen and I shared a mutual fascination with the subject of suicide, so it was only a matter of time before one of us said something. You know, I would hate to jump off a bridge like that, I think, she said. I mean, there's a chance that you'd live when you're hitting the water and you'd wind up, like, paralyzed or something. I guess I'd feel like an even bigger waste of space if I couldn't even kill myself properly. I wasn't sure if she actually wanted to get into it or not, but I did. I couldn't jump, I said pulling her closely and closing my eyes. That's way too much build-up and pressure. Too much time to regret it when falling. It wasn't a taboo subject with us. It's difficult to explain to those unfamiliar with lifelong suicidal ideation, but discussing it in blunt and honest terms is kind of comforting in a way. When faced with it every single day, familiarizing oneself with something typically viewed as morbid was its own sort of victory. We shined a light on it. Know your enemy and whatnot, right? Yeah, even if it were concrete or lava below me, I couldn't do it. I don't want anything flashy, honestly. Give me benzos and a couple of pints of shivers and I'll go gentle, I said. Yeah, maybe I would jump, Karen thought out loud. But I'd do it out of a plane. I just want that one last rush of adrenaline, you know? Well, you could stay alive and get a lot more of that, I replied. Nah, not with those kinds of stakes. She had a point. Well, I just want to be quiet. Now let me drink myself to death with a book and some relaxing music to play me out. I sighed. Probably some bright eyes. I don't know. Karen was quiet for a while after this. A character in the film overdosed in a bathroom stall and she spoke up. I just don't want to go like that. At the very least, I'd want to be around friends or even family if no one else is available. I was nodding off at this point. Maybe kind of like your teacher. I stirred at this. She hadn't brought up the story in a while and when she did... She never led into it with Mr. Mays. 
Eh, I guess, I said. If I fell asleep, she would be forced to leave it be for tonight. Come on, let's go, bub, she said. Go where? You know. And I knew. Ah, the liquor store's closed. I grumbled. No, Nebraska. It's late. Well, we could go next week. I'll take it off work. I'll get someone to drive us. Why would anyone want to drive us to Nebraska? Well, Brian seems interested. In Nebraska? In your story. You could write about it. I mean, it's been a while since you've written. I could bring my camera. From the way you described it, I'm pretty sure that I can get some good pictures. I was getting uncomfortable at this point, but that was offset by my exhaustion. Listen, I don't want to go. I didn't put up much of a fight, though. Please, for me, we never go anywhere and the apartment gets stuffy. And plus, it's my birthday next month. Ah, fine, okay, all right, I said, trying to appease her so that I could drift off. But what about the cat? And the next thing I knew, we were packed up and leaving the comforts of home for Nebraska. G'day, mates. So, I just wanted to take a quick break before the second half of the story to thank all of you guys for listening to Be Scared. If you're a new listener, welcome to The Hive. And if you're a long-time fan, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you could please take a moment to do me a favor to rate and review the show, that would be a huge help. And if you have any stories that you would like to submit for future episodes, you can send them to my email at bish.buster at gmail.com. That's b-i-s-h dot b-u-s-t-a at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and without further ado, here's the rest of the story. I had said yes to the trip and then fallen asleep. By the time I woke up the following afternoon, Karen had already secured one of her friends as our chauffeur and was requesting time off of work that fit with my schedule. She was actually really happy, and I was on quite a bit of Xanax, but I wanted to keep the good times rolling. With our schedules and switching moods, happy was sometimes hard to come by, so... I thought about that as we packed up my car. I was asleep before we made it out of town. I woke up in another dimension. The view out my window was an icy tundra that hurt my eyes. I hadn't seen that much sun in months and the ice amplified it. Our friend Brian was behind the wheel of my shitty 2004 Ford Escape as we flew down the interstate towards Broken Bow. Everyone called him the responsible one in our group of friends because he wouldn't get behind the wheel after drinking any booze at all. What only Karen and I knew was that he would be high as a kite while driving us all home and telling how he was the only one of us destined for a DUI. But he hadn't been in any accidents yet so we didn't say a word. Karen sat shotgun with a sonic cup in her lap. If I knew her which I did. She had poured out three quarters of her drink and filled the rest of the cup with vodka. 
She noticed after a minute that I had woken up. Hey, bub. Sleep well? She asked, turning around in her seat to face me. A vapor of vodka with a hint of cherry flooded my nostrils and burned my eyes. But Karen refused to travel long distances without what she affectionately called a roadie. She had adopted the term from her late father who had killed himself when she was only 14. And her preoccupation with suicide had at least come from somewhere logical. She had always idolized Randy, her dad, and hadn't spoken to her mother in a decade. She had told me this story often, frequently reinforcing the idea that many of her idiosyncrasies, her bad habits that related to Randy were exempt from criticism. And so, I made my only sensible move in this situation. Hey, did you get me one? Extra cuppers for you, my dear. Half and half. She winked and handed me the styrofoam cup of cure-all. I needed it. My jaw was absolutely throbbing at this point. I've always had a problem with grinding my teeth in my sleep. It was so bad growing up that my canines actually grew outward like vampire teeth. It hadn't been an issue in some time. I figured that the previous night of partying, alongside the anxiety about the trip, had just taken a toll. I took a sip of the drink and winced. It was about one quarter limeade to three quarters cheap vodka. <sighs> Burnett? I groaned. I guess it fits the scenery. Karen laughed. Nothing except the frost-covered remains of last season's harvest and frozen dirt surrounded us for miles. I stared out over the miles of repetitious backdrop for a couple of hours. Barren earth occasionally gave way to tufts of shorn trees that reached futilely towards the grey heavens above, and they were seemingly ignored. They now resembled petrified roots that had aggressively snuffed out any hint of life that had once inhabited their numbers. Every now and then, I was able to spot the rusting remnants of a vehicle or a crumbling shed hidden amongst the branches surely soon to be overtaken by the vindictive woodland. The three of us passed the time by fiddling with a barely functioning tape to auxiliary cord converter so that we could play music off of our phones. Unfortunately, even when we had gotten that to work, it was still a crapshoot thanks to spotty 4G connection on the planes. Karen and I chain smoked camel menthol cigarettes, much to Brian's chagrin. He smoked too, but would only touch the baby blue packs of American spirits, which were all natural and burned for an eternity. Smoking anything else, he believed, was just asking for cancer. But the drive was familiar, and we had been wandering through foggy memories of my last trip to Broken Bow. I was frustrated and getting a bit uncomfortable because of the haze, so I had to drink about it. My own head was keeping me in the dark. Brian and Karen, despite having heard the story of the showers ten times by this point, prodded me for new details once we had crossed the state line into Nebraska. I managed to dodge their inquisition by telling them how it was a violation of tradition to listen to a band while on the way to the concert. This did ease the pressure a bit, but my teeth were grinding and my jaw was aching. <sighs> 
This place was bringing something out at me, leaving me anxious and reflexively defensive. Brian had grown up in New Jersey, and despite the relative emptiness of the two-lane highway, he was driving like he was still there. I had no problem with sweeping across the plains with a signal, speeding or rapidly jerking left and right to exit the interstate on any regular day. As uncomfortable as it might have been to avoid the eye contact of an angry truck driver that Brian had cut off, we always got to our destination significantly faster than the GPS estimated. However, today, his highway practices, they were making me queasy. The honks from several angry passerby got to be too much, and I threw on my headphones and pulled my beanie over my eyes in an attempt at sensory deprivation. I ended up drifting off after a little bit. I had a dream that felt vaguely familiar, but I hadn't remembered my dreams in years, so I couldn't be sure. I was back at the bar I frequented during college, the same place where I last met Mr. Mays almost a decade ago. The voices of the faceless patrons around the two of us were muted. I sat next to my deceased former teacher, who was sporting a sweater that read, I'm the birthday boy. Mr. Mays looked up at me from a drink, eyes bloodshot from holding his booze and holding back tears. He didn't say anything, but I slowly recalled the conversation between the two of us from years ago, which rang through my head loud enough to fill the silence. I remembered his friend, the one they had lost. Mr. Mays looked away from me and into his drink, and he didn't look back up. But then I heard a noise like dripping water that echoed around the bar. Looking in front of me, I found a highball glass that was filled to the brim with what I guessed was whiskey. Without a second thought, I threw it back. It didn't sit well and I pursed my lips and sat back on the table as the lights around the bar began to dim from the outside in. I rubbed my eyes and breathed deeply to quell the nausea, but it wasn't working. The room continued to dim as the dripping noise rang out around me once again. I looked up at the glass before me to find it filled again, the liquid still rippling from a recent pour. Another drop fell from above breaking the surface tension and spilling drink all over the bar top. I looked up to see a shower head hanging just beyond the light, dripping liquid. The sound of violently shaking pipes echoed around me, and the shower head began to shake. It began to erupt, just as I was pulled back to reality with a jolt. I panicked and thrashed about for a moment. My knee and arm cracked as I moved about, adjusting once again to the real world. Whoa, Bubs, easy now, said Karen with a chuckle. We had parked at a rest stop. Brian must have pulled in too quickly and hit the curb, which is what had woken me up. I tasted a cherry limeade crawling up the back of my throat and felt my stomach rumble. We're outside of Hastings, don't know how far. You better use the restroom now or forever hold your peace, said Karen. I opened the car door and the icy wind pushed it against me, slamming my foot into the door. 
Annoyed, I pushed back and rushed across the lot to the surprisingly bustling rest area. I did my business and washed my hands, attempting to ignore the leaking shower heads in the stalls at the back of the room. I felt every drop in my chest. I hadn't had anxiety like this in ages. The nausea had come with me from the dream and I gagged slightly at the sink. I closed my eyes and breathed deeply, pulling a flask from my jacket pocket and looking around me to gauge the judgement that I was about to receive. The truckers around me didn't take a second look, but a father who was changing his infant at the station near the but a father who was changing his infant at the station near the door, he shot me a look. But maybe he didn't. I'm not sure why I cared. I mean, it wasn't going to stop me. One of the showers in the back turned onto full blast. I took a pull from the flask and, unlike my dream, my stomach relaxed and gagging ceased. I cleared my throat of whatever had built up prior to the nip of whiskey and spit it into the sink. It was a bright shade of red. I didn't panic though, I just needed to eat at some point. I pushed back through the line of people that had gathered at the restroom door and jogged out back to the car. Karen was sitting inside with the window cracked, holding a dying cigarette halfway out the window. When she saw me, she flicked it out and rolled the window up, gesturing for me to hurry up. I hopped inside and we were back on the interstate within seconds. Don't fall asleep on us again, okay, bub? We're going to need you to steer us from here, I think, Karen said. Just get us to Broken Bow, I said, staring out over some of the harvested fields that looked like they had been burnt. I'll guide us from there, okay? We continued down the interstate for a while while Brian and Karen sung songs and I sat in the back seat, working to try and ground myself. Uh, we're going to need some gas if we're going to go hunting for this place in the boonies, said Brian. He broke my concentration. Well, there's only about ten gas stations in the entire state, so exit where you can, I said. I caught the tail end of a sign that read Broken Bow, but didn't catch the other information. Within minutes, Brian was exiting the highway and pulling into what appeared to be a gas station. It had pumps at the front and a small convenience store, but behind it was a rickety single-story house. The design was Victorian, but it was faded and chipped to all hell. Some of the windows appeared to be busted in too, the hole stuffed with assorted clothes and rags. I felt a a sense of recognition as I stepped out of the car and began to pump gas. Karen was running inside to grab snacks as Brian shouted after her. Hey, Karen, get me some sunflower seeds, he yelled. She was already inside. Brian looked at me. You're Jack, sunflower seeds? Please, and thanks, man. He closed the door behind him before I was able to tell him that I wasn't going inside. I grumbled as I walked into the old station. O'Brien was driving us, so I couldn't get too upset with embarking orders, I guess. I was just irritable and all over the place. The building had a familiar musty smell to it that, much to my surprise, started to help clear away some of the fog that had been bugging me. 
I was pretty sure that I had been to this particular gas station before. I figured that was pretty likely, considering where we were at and the aforementioned lack of stops in the area. It was a neat coincidence, and that's what I told myself. Karen was up at the counter, chilly chatting with a young girl who couldn't have been much older than 18 about something or other. The girl was talking to Karen, but staring daggers at me the entire time. She wasn't even subtle about it, in fact. I figured that I looked nervous and sweaty, so I didn't blame her for keeping an eye on me. But it still made me uncomfortable, and I found myself grinding my teeth again. I was attempting to work the pain out of my jaw muscles with my knuckle while aimlessly wandering the aisles when Karen asked the young lady at the counterpoint, blank, so, what do you know about the showers? The woman didn't miss a beat. Well, people don't deal with anything relating to that sort of business around here anymore, she said. My legs locked up and I turned my head towards her. She was staring directly at me despite Karen being directly in front of her. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Her eyes remained locked on me. I felt the pain in my jaw pulse and my stomach lurched. This was not possible. Consciously and unconsciously, I was rejecting the overwhelming feeling of deja vu. I held my stomach and refused to look up at the woman, but I could feel her gaze on me still as Karen pressed her unsuccessfully for more information. I managed to get through the door and locked it behind me before falling to my knees and onto the toilet that sat only a few feet in front of me. I could feel my stomach clench tightly over and over again, but nothing was coming out. I was violently dry heaving and struggling to breathe. With the pressure behind my eyes and skull building, I forced a finger down my throat. I thought that if I could just get whatever this was out of me, I would feel so much better. I was choking on my own finger and seeing stars, eyes on the verge of bursting before I just gave up. I didn't need to pass out in a gas station bathroom. That sounded way too close to rock bottom for comfort. I sat back, my body lightly glazed with sweat and concentrated hard on a number of deep breaths in an effort to get my vision to stabilize. It was a, a half-assed version of a grounding technique for anxiety that I had picked up at some point. I could feel the pressure release as I wiped away the torrent of tears that had wet my face. My eyes finally focused on a green picture frame next to the mirror above the sink. The picture frame read, You can't choose them, you just gotta love them, and featured what appeared to be three generations of women laughing while posing outside of a large green farmhouse. The youngest of the three I recognized as the woman at the counter just outside. Next to her was what I guessed to be her mother. Next to the mother was someone familiar. It was a sweet old woman in a sundress. The same dress that she had been wearing when I had ventured into this shop with my friend Steve many years ago. The three of us had a, a nice conversation about the town and our post-college trip until our motives for staying in Broken Bow were made clear. When she found out that we were in search of the showers, her demeanor changed and she had given us a, a stern and very measured answer. I got to my feet, 
my head spinning and splash some water onto my face. I had a, a burst capillary in my right eye. It was blood red, dilated and raining tears. I looked like a mess if I'm being honest, but I didn't care. After spitting up a bit of red into the sink again, I walked out into the hallway, shooting one last glance at the picture just to make sure that I wasn't losing my mind. It was still the same old woman, but I was definitely losing my mind. I quickly made my way towards the front door, knocking bags of sunflower seeds and sticks of jerky onto the floor. Karen was still talking with the girl at the counter, and the girl was no longer looking at me. But was she ever? If I didn't know Karen, I would have assumed that she was hitting on the girl, but... That's just how she was. But she had a way with people. Hey, uh, are you feeling okay? Karen looked me up and down with a concerned look on her face. And the girl at the counter stared at her. Hey, did you get sick? I looked at Karen, the girl, and Karen again. Out towards the car and back to Karen. Ah, uh, I must have just eaten something bad. I said, glancing up at the girl. A bad stomach. Medications. She looked at me and calmly nodded, understandingly. She seemed to sense that something else was going on, but I didn't care. Ah, uh, thanks, and uh, have a good day, I said, bolting out of the door. The bell above me rang, and I could feel it in my jaw. Karen followed after, giving the girl a sort of excuse for my behavior. Hey, hey. Karen caught up with me before I got to the car. Hey, what's up with you? I'm just, uh, I'm tired, I said. She saw through that. Listen, I just, I took a nip that went down the wrong pipe and I got a little sick. It happens. I just... I just wanted to avoid her judgy eyes, okay? I gestured back towards the door. I mean, this is Jesus country after all, and I feel like she would try to walk me through a pamphlet or something if I didn't say something. Karen appeared to buy it, and we continued towards the car. But trust me, I'm not looking to get saved anytime soon. I laughed. Yeah, who needs Jesus when you have me as your guardian angel? Karen said with an exaggerated smile and wink. I faked a gag. Ugh, you're gonna make me sick again, I said. She kissed me on the cheek and hopped into the passenger seat of the car. Brian had put on a Dandy Warhols album and was jamming by himself. He was singing poorly, so Karen took control of the phone and switched the song. A bohemian like you blasted through the speakers. All right, let's bounce, said Karen, putting her sunglasses on and lighting a cigarette. I tried not to look back as we drove away from the gas station. Give me a little bit to get the next section to you guys. I'll be getting all of this out to you as soon as possible. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. 
And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you, mates, in the next one. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.